Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost, and today it's the National Equine Forum. I love it. It's when a group of the top experts in the industry get together along with government, and we discuss the changes in our industry, the future. How do we want to see things change? You can be part of it by asking your questions. Just use hashtag Horse Hour, hashtag NEF19, and today you're going to be hearing from some of those guest speakers. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Um, Today we're at the National Equine Forum, which as an avid listener of the podcast, you know that I love because it's a group of over 100 of the top experts in in industry, um, people with industry skills uh, throughout the country get together and talk about the future of the industry. And I am joined by the wonderful Dr. David Marlin, who's talking today. How are you, David? I'm good. Thanks very much, Amy. Do you know, I've heard your name so much over the last few years because I'm relatively new to this industry. I came into riding at 28. I'm now 34. And um, and as I've been doing the this weekly podcast, lots of people have been recommending that I talk to you. And, um, and I've been trying to. And I'm thrilled that you're at the forum today because you're all over the world. You're doing all this research. It's, it's quite a nice life, actually. It's um, I, I, I enjoy kind of traveling. I enjoy kind of meeting different people and seeing different horses in different situations. Um, and you can always learn something. Oh, absolutely. How long have you been doing this for? Uh, well, I, I'm, a, I'm interestingly a little bit like you in that I didn't start riding until I was 20 um, when I was at university. And then I went and trained with uh, Judy Harvey uh, for a while. And then I went to the Animal Health Trust to do a PhD. And that was in the early days of uh, exercise physiology. So I started off on working on the first treadmill in the UK um, and looking mainly initially at thoroughbred training, but then it kind of very quickly spread. Wow. Well, you're much better than I am because I didn't bother with a PhD. I just interview amazing people like you and that's how I learn. (laughs) Maybe you would do all the hard work first. (laughs) We try. That's what's so great about the forum is that, you know, great experts like you come on board and you get to speak for about 15 minutes about something that you've learned or a, a new technique that you found. Um, and so today you're going to be talking about the general principles of exercise training and fitness in horses. So how did you come up with this subject? Well, it was really uh, that the organisers of the forum felt this was a topic that needed to be looked at. And, you know, it is... Uh, it's incredibly important because the majority of horses that we keep are ridden. And of course, 
with riding horses, we know that one of the major problems that any horse owner is going to face is going to be lameness. And it's possible that in trying to get horses fit, we actually increase the, the, the risk of them getting lame. And really, we need to perhaps try and uh, get people to understand some of the basic principles and, and where we might be making some mistakes. Because no one wants a lame horse. Mm. Um, everyone wants, you know, probably a, a fitter horse and a horse that's performing well. Um, nobody sets out to make their horse lame. But there are a lot of perhaps uh, myths circulating, uh, ideas that we should train horses the same as people, um, ideas that maybe horses can take more training than people. Mm. Uh, and really what we're trying to do here with the, the, the three of us that are speaking is kind of look at some of the, the areas where there might be these misunderstandings and, and how horse owners can use uh, good information to perhaps try and reduce the risk of lameness. So what would some of those myths be? Well, um, let's, let's say a lot of people will be familiar with a training program that they have for themselves or they've been given, let's say, to run a marathon um, or, you know, to take part in, in some sport. And for human athletes, especially that the harder you, the higher the level that you're competing at, uh, basically the harder you will be working, you know, uh, rowers can be going out, let's say in the morning, rowing, going to the gym in the afternoon and, and try and they'll be aiming to maybe do that six, seven days a week. If they have a couple of days off, they lose fitness. Um, one of the interesting things about horses is once you get them fit and, and here we're talking physically fit as opposed to skill development. Um, once you've got a horse physically fit, they actually lose their fitness very, very slowly. If you stop, if you reduce the, uh, intensity of the exercise or you give them a few days off actually they probably benefit from it um, so you don't need to uh, train horses as hard uh, or as often probably as you do a human athlete that would be a, that's a, a major difference for a start well that's amazing now I don't feel the guilt the guilt will no longer sit on my shoulders when I decide that I want to have a duvet day <laughs> yeah and you know the, the other thing we often do with horses is, you know, we have this, a lot of people have this kind of six day week and the Sunday off type training mm. approach, more so probably in, in professional. The, the horse has no concept of, of what day of the week it is. It just knows that it's been trained. Its body knows it's been trained six days in a row. If you've got a horse with a slight lameness problem or a history of lameness, uh, you know, maybe training for two days, having a day off, training for two days, having a day off would be a better approach now of course that doesn't fit in with our in the, in the human world everything revolves around our seven days of the week um but for the horse you know there's no reason we have to keep the horse to that and changing the way we train can sometimes actually bring huge benefits from doing something as simple as that because if you're training every day by the time you come to saturday or sunday you might have a moderate problem if you train for a Monday and Tuesday and have a day off, train for it, uh, the next two days, have a day off, the problem that's building up isn't actually building up, so it, it's not accumulating in the same way. Um, so that change in kind of something very simple as, as what days of the week you ride and, and when you have your rest days can, can bring huge benefits. 
It's quite fascinating, isn't it? I think there's uh, something that I've learned recently is there's a horse um, that we have at the yard that is lame. He's an old riding school horse. Fabulous, fabulous horse. Um, but we kind of felt he was going towards more retirement age and needed a bit of a break. So we had a few months off, thought that we were doing the right thing. But actually, he's become more lame by not being worked because his muscles aren't being worked all the time they don't have that strength anymore and when he loses that strength and that that muscle strength it then means that he becomes more lame and so actually for him he needs to be ridden more frequently so now we have to build that strength back up again so he's got a totally different regime to what he did you know three years ago um, and it's very much just like what you said it's not every day because that would be too much for him and it's only small short little bursts to kind of build that up is that something you'd recommend yeah, I mean, certainly that's where there, there is a parallel between, uh, for example, humans and, and horses, because if uh, as a person you have, let's say, arthritic changes in your, your knees, particularly if you've been, you know, you've played sport at a reasonably high level, done a lot of running when you're younger, as you get to kind of into your, your 40s and 50s, some of that damage that you've accumulated in your joint starts to, to have an effect. Um, and, you know, I experienced this from uh, playing rugby, football, uh, volleyball, all sorts of other sports. You know, my, I got to a point where my knees, I felt, were seizing up. And I expected the specialist to say to me, oh, yeah, you need to kind of take it easy now and, you know, need to stop doing kind of sport and stuff like that. But actually what he said is you need to reduce the 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 weight-bearing type loading. So the volleyball is not good. The rugby is not good. Cycling's great. Swimming's great, um, but but you need to be exercising. And the and, it, and you know he was absolutely right. I didn't need surgery on my knees. I just needed to change the way I was exercising. And it's probably the same with the horses. You know that keeping them moving, um, but perhaps not galloping them hard and jumping them on hard ground when they're you know in their twenties, is going to keep your horse going. So it's the it's the type of exercise and the amount of exercise that they can take. So yeah couple of days a week, um, light hacking, day or two off, couple of days a week, perfect for old horses. So how would you say, um, because again, you've got uh, just, uh, it's quite difficult for you actually, David, because you've got all these anomalies, you know, you can't just say, right, this is what you should do for your horse, because you've got ages, breeds, the amount of exercise they're doing, how, you know, what the, what the, how fit is the rider? I think there's so much of that coming into it now as well. You know, if I'm not fit and feeling like I've had too many roast potatoes one day, the last thing I can do is help my horse balance. So how do you then take all your research and, and make it more general well that there are absolutely right there, there are individual factors here um you know there's the decision the rider owner makes with the horse um there's genetics there's uh, there's luck sometimes you know some injuries occur just because the horse slips um and and damages a muscle or a ligament and rider fitness is an important aspect and that's going to be covered you know at, a good rider should every rider that sits on a horse actually increases the loading on the joints and the tendons. Um, a good rider doesn't make it any worse than that. Potentially a bad rider who isn't stable is going to create more problems, particularly in relation to the, the interface between the rider and the horse, which is the saddle and the back. Um, and, and that's going to be covered uh, as you know, by one of the other speakers. 
But one of the really interesting things here is that, and I think this is something I'd like to change the perception of, is that many riders think that injuries are unlucky and they're kind of freak events. Actually, when we start to look at, particularly in mature horses, when we start to look at the types of injuries they get, which are wear and tear injuries to the joints, arthritic type changes, or uh, injuries to, to ligament and tendon, those injuries are wear and tear type injuries in the main. They're not all. Some of them are caused by just an accident. But most of them are occurring because of accumulative damage. And most of them occur in training or that the majority of the damage to them is done in training rather than in competition. So it is, we do have this problem that in trying to get horses fit, in, and why do we get them fit? We get them fit because we think it protects them from injury and that they should perform better. But actually what we seem to be doing in terms of trying to get them fit is actually causing damage to them. Um, and this is because we're probably overtraining them. We're doing, we're doing too, too much of the wrong type of training, um, perhaps too little of the right type of training, um, and we're causing wear and tear. Would you say, um, what would you say is more of the right kind of training? So you've got your days of the week, but, you know, I'm taking it not jumping every day or things like that. Yeah, it's certainly about choices, uh, you know, sort of repeating the same type of exercise. So jump, you know, jumping the same jump kind of 40 times, um, carrying on doing the same dressage movement repeatedly, you know, sort of carrying on doing a, a 10 meter circle you know, repeatedly in a, in a session. That is, some of this is sort of uh, counterproductive because although you may feel the skill is developing, um, actually you're putting a lot of stress on, on the horse by doing too much of the same type of work. So we now know that things that are protective are using different types of surfaces, for example, um, not using an arena all the time. Um, you know, use, doing some work on roads. Not, I'm not a big fan of trotting on roads. Uh, one of the myths we have with roads is it hardens up tendons. We, we know that's not the case. Um, but road work does have some benefits. Uh, the, the concussion that you get actually stimulates the development of bone. So we have it protective from that effect, uh, from that angle. But it's not great for the joints. Um, and it doesn't really do anything beneficial for tendons. Um, now, here we're specifically talking about horses that are sort of healthy from an orthopedic perspective. I'm not talking about rehabilitation of horses with tendon injuries, where controlled exercise in a straight line on a firm surface is probably beneficial. But that's that's a very different situation. So it, it, it's it's kind of in a way it's really common sense you know if you um if you go outside in your garden and you just keep jumping up and down on the same spot for kind of 10 minutes you'll probably find that the next day your knees are really really sore mm. and and that's just because you've done one type of exercise repeatedly for too long absolutely um, i i totally agree with you i feel exactly the same i mean you know a lot of these things i think we can cross over between between humans and horses and one of them is I've recently told my husband, I'm not poo picking anymore. I'm not doing the fields because I've got tennis elbow and, and it's stupid. I, I cleared 11 wheelbarrows in one day and I've just wiped out my arms and it takes between six months and two years to properly recover from it. Actually, I've just caused myself damage that I didn't need to do. So 
imagine, you know, those heavy wheelbarrows constantly in the strains that has on your elbows, the think of, and the tendons and the ligaments that we've got, the horses are going to feel similar things when we're pounding them in the ground and doing the same thing over and over again. And, and you're right. You, and, and that is a really lovely uh, example because actually you've got two, you've, you've illustrated two problems there. One is overuse, which is you're not particularly, um, it's not that you're bending down and you're moving your arm is particularly anything heavy. Uh, Droppings aren't that heavy to pick up. Mm. So that's the overuse component. You're just doing the same movement repeatedly a huge number of times. But then you're also actually subjecting your arms and the rest of your body to an overload where you're having to lift the really heavy barrow and and take it home. And and both of those will cause injuries. Um, The overuse probably puts your elbow being weaker and, and leads to inflammation uh, within the tendons and ligaments around the, around the, the joint. Um, but then the overload, the lifting the heavy load, is the thing that actually puts you at risk of possibly rupturing muscle or a ligament. So two different types of injury, but actually, or, or two different types of damage, but potentially related in the type of injury. So, well, thank you. I'm going to say that Dr. David Marlin's given me a sick note and, um, and I don't know, we have to go and buy a Hoover now. <laughs> That's like a good idea. But, yeah, but um, no, I, 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 gosh, there's so much, I think, that different techniques and different ways of training that we could probably talk forever. Um, but could you give us a few tips that really we should be, re- your key points, your absolute key points that as an owner, no matter what horse we have, um, we need to really be thinking about okay with with training you start slow and you should increase the workload every couple of weeks um be careful about going from uh, making big jumps in in the training load because we know for example if you go from let's say walking on the roads for an hour a day for two weeks to, to cantering on a soft surface uphill that's a massive increase in workload and that's a massive risk for injury um, if you have the ability to use different types of surfaces, use those rather than use one surface uh, to the exclusion of all others. Avoid uneven surfaces, whether they're soft, uneven, or hard, uneven, or they change from soft to hard and back again. Those are a big risk for injury. Um, and don't repeat movements uh, too frequently. Uh, within a training session, uh, within a fitness session, you know, sort of make sure you, if you do the movement two or three times, have a break, do something else, come back again. Oh, those are brilliant. Thank you. Do you know what's so lovely about this, David, is that as a young rider, you know, aspiring rider that wants to be amazing and have the best for your horse, you think that you've got to have all the bells and whistles. You think you've got to have the amazing arena, you know, with the best stables and the best fields and the best jumps. But actually what you're saying is you can just hack out on different surfaces. You've got that bit. You could pop over a couple of logs. That that means that you're doing the jumping that you need to and it's not too big. Um, And your horse needs to be out getting lots of exercise. So you need some fields. So even without all those facilities, you can still really train your horses to the best of their ability in terms of fitness accurately and efficiently. Yep. I think that's true. And I think, and, and, anyone even if they've got the best facility can still end up making their horses lame 
Well, there we go. So we're all in the same boat when it comes to fitness. <laughs> I love that. Well, you're talking today with alongside Dr. Rachel Murray and Ashley Wallace. They're going to be talking about core stability and muscle development of the horse, along with we touched on rider fitness and its influence on the equine performance. So you can watch those on the live stream. Just head to nationalequineforum.com and you can catch up with your full presentation, Dr. David Marlin, uh, via their website too. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget you can catch previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. And of course, you can hear all the guest speakers from the National Equine Forum on their website, nationalequineforum.com. Have a great week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.